This is the Elite Development Podcast, a show with the aim of helping athletes evolve in every element of their careers through real-world advice and experience. I'm your host, Kenny Dussault. I'm a strength and conditioning coach in Calgary, Alberta, with a singular focus on building better athletes. And now, let's get to the episode. Thank you guys all for tuning in again to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. This week, we have Jordan Hill on the show. Jordan growing up played uh was the captain of the whole his hometown sarnia sting played almost 10 years of professional hockey and is currently going into his fourth year coaching with the owen sound attack in the ohl jordan thanks so much for taking the time i appreciate you coming on the show today thanks Kenny. i appreciate you having me i'm excited absolutely so the first thing i always like to get into is just getting into a little bit uh you know with the guests how they were as kids so can you talk me through a little bit you know what kind of kid were you growing up and sort of what led you down the path that's led you to where you are now? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I was always a, a bigger kid, I'll say. I had some chub to me growing up, um, something I had to learn to deal with and learn to kind of, if I wanted to play sports, how am I going to get rid of this and, and kind of apply myself? Um, but yeah, I was a pretty laid back kid um, growing up. Hockey was something I took right away. Um, played a few other sports, soccer, um, you know, some school stuff, but for the most part, hockey was number one early on and kind of morphed into that as I went, got forward through my career. And then and in my early, early years, I just kind of dropped everything and focused uh, solely on, uh, on hockey. Awesome. So can you talk through just sort of uh, one thing I'm always curious to hear how people dealt with is the evolution from level to level of hockey. So uh, I know you played in the OHL, which is obviously – right away even further than uh, you know most players out there get when they're mm. dreaming of uh, when they're dreaming of professional hockey can you talk through sort of how you dealt with you know moving up levels whether it was from you know the early years peewee and bantam into the ohl or from the ohl into the pro career that you played too yeah um for me it was kind of a unique route to be honest with you uh, i'm from sarnia so i was very fortunate enough to play for my hometown team the sarnia sting uh, not many guys obviously get to do that. Um, that kind of started from me not getting drafted as a minor midget player in the OHL. We get drafted, you know, minor midget. I wasn't drafted. I ended up playing junior C the next year, or sorry, major midget. Um, so a year, another year of you know, minor hockey. And then I went to the junior C. Um, and the year after, which was when it got kind of interesting, a, a draft pick didn't show up for the Sting camp. So they needed a local kid just last minute just to kind of fill a, fill a roster spot. And um, I ended up going to the team. Um, it was funny because the week prior, I just got cut from a junior B team. And then a week later, I'm invited to the OHL camp. And in my head, I'm like, this just does not make any sense. Like, I'm going to embarrass <laughs> myself out there. Um, and luckily, just played my game, kind of kept my head down and did my, did my thing. And Believe it or not, you know, Steven Stamkos team and everything. I, I made that team. It was supposed to be a good Memorial Cup run team. Um, so getting cut from junior B and then making an OHL, which is a lower level, and then making a – it doesn't make sense. So, you know, my message on that front is, you know, one man's opinion – say the junior B coach didn't like me. One man's opinion doesn't change who I am as a player, as a person. You know, you, you always got to find – you know, keep grinding essentially because there, there will be other doors that open up. And uh, luckily this door opened up and – uh yeah, the rest is history on, on that front. I mean, that's such an awesome way to start, uh, you know, going from yeah. getting cut, playing an extra year of major midget to going to junior C to getting cut from junior B to 
making yeah. the OHL, which is two levels higher. I mean, that's yeah, a week later. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like you said, that makes no sense at all. But uh, clearly, it led you down a pretty good path. And yeah. uh, you talk a little bit like in that extra year of major midget. So when you're, you know, it might be yeah. looking like the junior hockey doors are closing. Can you talk a little bit, you know, what's going through your head at that point uh, when it's yeah. in terms of your hockey career. And that's a great, great point because that's, that was what it felt like, you know, um, doors are starting to close. They don't take advantage of this. And that's when I really got serious with hockey, um, really started to buckle down on my nutrition, um, buckle down on my obviously workouts and, and physique. And that's when my game really started to improve when I, when I committed to it um, 100%. And yeah, it was, uh, it was challenging. I, w- I was a plan on going the NCAA route because the junior A or OHL routes were, were closing. Um, and obviously I didn't end up having to take that. So it worked out for me, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely quite the experience just trying to apply myself every day. You know, you have some friends that are on the same team as you, they're not really looking to go pro or even play competitive hockey after this. So it's tough to kind of block out the noise, block out the distraction and really understand that if I have a short window of say two years, I could set myself up for, something I want to do for another 10 to 15 to 20 or whatever have you. And now it's kind of created, you know, my pro career created this now coaching career without the pro career. I doubt I would have a coaching career. So, you know, for a 17 year old young kid that, you know, you, you commit for two years, you could set yourself up for, for, you know, something to do something you, you love for, for the rest of your life. So that was something I'm very, very fortunate. I took my own advice and, and I stuck with it and I, and I did it. So I'm very proud of myself for that. Yeah, so can you just uh, give us a timeline? So from the the year that you got cut from the Junior B team to your last year playing pro hockey, how how long of a time was that, if you can remember? Yeah, no, I can, I can try to remember. Um, I'd say I'd say probably 12 years. Yeah, so I mean, like, just goes to show, right? Like, I feel maybe, so often. Yeah, maybe, maybe closer to 15, sorry. I'm trying to. Yeah. But anyways, go ahead. So, yeah, it just goes to show, like, so often kids will, you know, miss their junior hockey draft year, and that to them is kind of, okay, the door's closed, hockey's over now. And, like, you're able to go from not even the junior hockey draft year, but getting cut from a team probably two levels below where you wanted to be to extending your career 15 years playing pro and then into a coaching career. So I think that's that's such a perfect example of you can never – as long as that fire's still burning, you can never close that door. Yeah walk out the noise and just do you right like it's it's your life it's, it's, you want to do something that you love obviously you got to work at it and that was the biggest thing I had to learn early is work ethic and competitiveness and persistence and all that stuff yeah and so can it, do you have any advice just for kids who are maybe like in that similar position to you where they're maybe feeling like those doors are closing uh just like you said blocking out the noise you're going to have kids on your team that aren't really maybe looking to pursue it any further what did you sort of do to block that stuff out and just make sure you kept focused every day? You know, you're seeing these other yeah. guys going off having fun and you're making sure you're buckling down and you're putting the work in to extend your career as long as you did. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. I won't lie. Like, you know, the peer pressure of wanting to go out and party and drink and eat and do whatever you want. Um, you know, it, it's there, it's real. You have friends that want to do stuff and you want to work out or get a nice session in or, something that's going to benefit your career. Um, it's tough to block that out, but you got to have obviously a strong willpower. Um, just, it's just, it's the most crucial time in, you know, a young kid's life. If that's, if that's what they want to do and, and you only get one shot at it, it's a small window. So it's tough to give you, you know, the exact recipe. Um, you got to know yourself. Um, the biggest thing is just, yeah, blocking out the noise, which would be 
exactly what I just listed. It's hard to kind of describe what I went through. It was so long ago, but I just remember, you know, having to turn down friends to do something you feel, you know, you feel guilty. You kind of feel like you're missing out that, you know, but at the end of the day, if I'm doing something that I love, you know, I did love working out. Um, it, it was something I was willing to sacrifice. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the key, right? Is like people are going to be in that position where you are feeling like you're missing out. All the boys mm-hmm. are going out on Friday night and you're staying exactly. home and going to bed early because you got ice early Saturday morning. Exactly. You know, it's tough to, it's tough to make that call, but just kind of keeping in mind well, why you're making that call, I think is a huge exactly. thing too, right? You gotta remind yourself of that. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so from like, when did it kind of look like professional hockey was going to be an actual opportunity for you? Probably, I mean, I had a really good rookie year. Um, I was an older rookie. I think I was 18. Um, so, you know, missed the first two years of junior or OHL. So I was a young rookie. And I think I did, I had a, I run, I won rookie of the year, which was kind of like, okay, you know, I, I'm a contributor now in the OHL. Um, that was step one. You know, step two is now let's be in, let's be a, a good player in the OHL. Um, the next year, I think I accomplished that. And then I started getting, you know, some questions about my, attribute, you know, do I want to go to school after? So I was heading into my last year, which was my overage year, they call it in the OHL. Um, so you're, you know, you're turning 20. Um, there's only, you can only have three 20 year olds in the league. So it's, that's where it comes to, you know, you got to be obviously a good, good player to be a 20 year old in the league. And then, um, you know, you get schools calling you and I was really pushing the envelope to get attention from NHL teams. And that just goes with, you know, what I learned. And, and that was something, honestly, school for me wasn't in the cards. Um, if I just had school to focus on, I, I'd be no problem, but I could not, you know, with hockey in the back door, it was all, it was all hockey for me. So um, yeah, it was just one of those things that I think probably my second year in the OHL, I realized that if I really wanted to do this, I think I could make something out of it. And yeah, luckily it's, it worked out. I didn't get drafted to the NHL. Um, I signed as a free agent my last year with the, with the, in the OHL um, with the LA Kings farm team in Manchester. And that was kind of, you know, I made that team out of camp as well. So it was just one of those things you just keep grinding, keep grinding and finding ways through doors somehow. Yeah, man. I love that. Just that resiliency. Cause I think that's something that, uh, you know, everybody focuses right now as they're coming up on, they want to be the most skilled player. They need, you know, the puck handling skills and the mm-hmm. skating skill and the whatever, but that's sort of a part that gets overlooked sometimes is like, you know, when you get cut from that junior B team, how are you handling that when you're, you know, not getting drafted to the NHL in your draft year. How are you handling that? Like those little things that derail a career that, you know, by the looks of it, you just said, okay, that's just my next step. What am I going to do next? And just kind of kept pushing and kept pushing. Yeah. I mean, you look at it from a lot of different ways and that's the perfect way right there. There's always an opportunity to learn. And and the biggest thing to grow is like, what do you do when you work out? I like to use the example for some of my defensemen and Owen Sound. Like you're trying to break down muscle to now get better. So in order to go forward, sometimes you have to go back and that's sometimes you have to fail to go forward. And that's the biggest lesson I have for some young guys. It's okay to fail as long as you're failing the right way, which is, you know, in work ethic and competitiveness, all that jazz. But for me, failure is a part of everyone's life. You're going to fail multiple times. It's how you, you know, how you get better from it is the difference between winners and losers, I guess, essentially. Yeah. I mean, it's about how you react to everything, right? I think it's something that I always try to reinforce with athletes I work with is, you know, you're going to go through difficult things. You're going to go through things that you can't control, whether that's getting exactly. cut from a team you want to be on, whether that's a ref making a bad call that changes mm-hmm. the course of a game. 
you know, you can't control any of those things. All you can control as cliche as it sounds is your reaction to those things. Absolutely. And that's something that's going to make or break you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so if, if you were talking right now to whether it's, you know, yourself going into that first OHL season or any of the other kids right now that are heading into their first junior hockey season, what would be your best advice as far as like getting ready and sort of getting yourself prepped for that new higher level of competition that you're not used to? You know, that's a tough one. Cause there's just, there's, there's a lot of avenues, you know, these poor kids now, honestly, it's, they're just, they're getting their agents talking to them, their parents, players, coaches, there's, there's a lot of noise. So like, like again, you got to block out the noise and, and find and trust certain people that you want to listen to. But the biggest thing is just preparation. Um, I'm a big preparation guy. If I'm not prepared, I know I'm unorganized. I know I'm not as polished as I should be. Um, and that's how I kind of was through my career, you know, practice. I wanted to know the practice. Um, if it wasn't posted, well, I listened very well in every drill, every detail. Don't be afraid to ask questions. But, you know, preparation for me and now as a coach, seeing the players that are prepared and they aren't, um, it's pretty clear, you know, the ones that are succeed a lot more than the ones that aren't. So, Again, prepare even, you know, what, what, what am I doing in the fitness testing tomorrow for, you know, going into camp? I'm going to practice that now. Maybe email the trainer months in advance or the, you know, athletic therapist and find out what's, you know, what's, what's, what am I going to walk into that, you know, those are the things that to me go a long way and it's going to make you and that much further along when you do show up. Yeah. I mean, I think that's huge. Like, you know, I'll often have athletes, you know, they're preparing for tryouts or whatever else. And I'm asking them while we're in the gym, I'm saying, Hey, so, you know, what are, do you have any fitness testing in the tryouts? They, well, I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah, well, you know, what's the structure of the tryouts going to be? Well, I'm not sure. It's like, well, why not? And they go, well, Ask. nobody told me. And then that's where you could sort of say, okay, you can sit and wait for them to send the things to you. Or you can say, hey, I want to make sure that I'm ready for whatever I'm exactly. going to come to. So let me find a coach's email address because I don't know, personally, my any experience I had in sport, any coach that I've ever talked to or worked with or myself, if an athlete comes to me and is asking for ways that they can be better prepared, no coach is ever going to look badly on that. Exactly. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent. I want that kid to ask questions rather than, you know, never hear from them. Right. So I'm a hundred percent agreeing with you on that point. I love that. And uh, so as a player for you, was there ever any point, like obviously, you know, you went through a pretty unique route to get the success that you had. Was there ever any point where you kind of felt like maybe, you know, this was too much to deal with and, you know, maybe pro hockey wasn't for you? Um, no, I, like I said, I've always wanted to play pro hockey. Um, you know, my first, my first experience with pro hockey, you know, I, I show up LA, Kings. Like I'm in California. I'm 21. I'm walking to the rink in shorts. I'm feeling like I'm the man. Right. So, you know, that was something that, again, the fire was burning earlier than that. But when you, you know, you experience some stuff when, when you go through it, it just motivates you that much, that much more essentially. So that was a route that I knew I always wanted to take. It was just a matter of getting there. Yeah. And just basically figuring that out. It was like, you know, whatever hurdle was put in front of you, it wasn't, yeah. it was never a hurdle that felt too big. Like it was always just sort of what no, like I, you definitely, get Yeah. You have your challenges. Like I definitely, I had a pretty big one in my career. I actually had my, uh, so I had surgery just to give you a quick rundown. I had surgery on my hip that year, uh, the very end of the year with LA with their farm team and then didn't go very well. And then three years later, you know, I was middle of, I'm, 
um, Calder Cup run with St. John's, or four years later, maybe it was. And, you know, my hip had been bothering me all year. Um, I got an x-ray and they told me my hip was toast. I needed a hip replacement. So I'm 25 years old and being told my career is done um, when I'm, you know, thinking I'm going to play till I'm 40 was definitely a big, big shot in the gut. Um, so I got it replaced three years later. Obviously, it's replaced now and it's good, but it was definitely a challenge trying to play with one leg, essentially, the last three years of my career. So, yeah, there's definitely there was times when, you know, I can barely walk my dog and wondering what am I doing? So there's definitely some gut check moments for sure. Yeah. So if for any kid right now, that's, you know, maybe not something like a career ending injury, but you know, something that they're dealing with that they're maybe feeling like, you know, they're not sure how they're going to get around this hurdle or they're Mm. kind of struggling with whatever adversity might be in front of them right now. What's sort of your advice just from your own experiences, as far as again, keeping that attitude of, you know, never stop grinding and never stop pushing for it. I just think you have to be persistent. Like if there's not an answer in front of you, find the answer. Like, how are you going to find it? I don't know what the topic would be, but you know, yeah. talk to people. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. Um, don't be afraid to do some research, do some unorthodox things to find. Like, like I'm a huge fitness guy and a huge, I, you know, I see a naturopath even now when I'm not even playing because you know, those were things I discovered when I was playing by, by, by researching, what can I do to get 5% better? If there's something that I could do to make me any percent better, I was doing it. And no one's going to hand you that, that cue card that says this, if you do all this, you're going to make it the NHL. You got to find your own way. And that was something that I learned early. Like luckily, like I said, just by making the OHL and finding out how to get there, I just obviously um, advanced that and kind of morphed that into a more uh, polished uh, thing in pro. Like I said, I had my workouts, my, my nutrition, everything was on point. And that was a big reason why I did play pro because I didn't have all the skill in the world um, it was more just, yeah, grind it out and, and get yourself in the best shape on the team. And there's no one, no one taking my job. That's for sure. Yeah. Because I think that's, again, something that, you know, is so easy to kind of look past people and just sort of look at, well, you know, I've got this skill, this skill, this skill. So clearly I'm going to be on the team. And then they yeah. don't realize that if the guy beside you, if you're 10% better than he is, but he works 80% harder than you do, exactly. that's not even no a choice. Sense. Like they're going yeah. with that guy every time. Exactly. That's that's exactly right. Like work ethic to me is is everything, and especially now that I'm on the co- on the coaching side of things, and I that's how I was you know morphed my my game was work ethic. But on the coach's side, if a player doesn't work. I don't care how much skill you have. See you later. Like you have to be able to work and and commit yourself to what you want to do. And this is hockey, and that's at my level. Obviously, we're a lot harder than say minor hockey and whatnot. But if you're not willing to work not just in hockey in life, you're going to, you're going to fall, fall short a lot more than you succeed. That's for sure. Yeah. And so for those kids who maybe right now, like going a little bit of a different direction, if you're one of those kids that, you know, was the top of the top all the way through. So, you know, you're captain of the Bantam triple A team, you're scoring 30, 40 goals a year. And uh, you know, you've never really had to go the extra mile before. And now maybe they're reaching the OHL level uh, and they've started to actually reach some adversity where they're realizing that, Hey, maybe they're not the best. They were the best player in Bantam, but they're not the best player anymore. How do you sort of go about, you know, instilling that work ethic and making them realize, Hey, you might've been able to float through on skill so far, but that's over. And now it's time. If you want to make it further, there's more that's got to go into this now. Yeah, that's, that's a frustrating one. And that almost is one I, I, in some ways I do feel for these kids because they're almost set up to fail. They've been, 
they're so good. And I know a couple of players off the top of my head, I won't say their names, but they're so good that at such a young age, they've been, they've just coasted and been, like I said, been able to, to do well, but you come to this league or OHL or any competitive league, no matter what you're doing, um, everyone's good. You have, there's, there has to be something that separates you and work ethic when those guys that don't put in the work, that's when they'll fall behind. So there's usually a window of, okay, your first year, let's figure it out. The second year, let's, let's see what you've learned from the first year. And if you haven't figured that out. So I would say the window is a year and a half, probably it's a very small window. So guys need to adjust, right? Life's all about adjustments. Um, you got to be able to adapt and, and to adjust. And that's unfortunately, if they, if they don't, like I said, the guys that don't work will, will fall by the wayside first. And that's how, that's how it is. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a great, that's a great point. Like, and once you hit that league, that's what I really want to try and do with this show is, you know, as much as I want to speak to all players coming up, but I really want to speak to those kids who maybe feel like, you know, they can kind of coast through to whatever league it is that they're trying to make it to Mm. make them realize that it's like, even if you're coasting now, whatever level that might be, whatever age that might be, there's going to come a point where guess what? Everyone else is good too. Exactly. you know, that 13, 14 year old kid who's lighting the league up with however many goals and everybody's eyes are on him. You know, do you have any thoughts of like what to say to that kid, how to kind of get that message across well, to him that, Hey, that might yeah. be where you're at now, but that's not where you're going to be forever. And who said like, why not dominate instead of just being a good player, or a great player? Why not be a Sidney Crosby? Like that, that, there's a guy that has all the talent in the world and all the work ethic in the world. So that's why he's an elite player that he is. If he didn't work like as hard as he did, he would just be a good NHLer. He would still be an NHLer because he does work, but his work ethic is just crazy. To combat that with his skill, that's why he's Sidney Crosby and for a decade was the best player in the game. So, you know, for a young kid that's been coasting, why not, why not absolutely dominate and, and, and be that person that when you do get to the level when everyone's good, you're still the cream of the crop. You're not, you're not having to figure it out. And, and it's just in life too. Like work ethic is going to, is going to get you through life. You might as well, you learn at a young age and that's, and even for me, just trust me, I, I was a lazy young kid. Like I had my moments, but it's something you, you have to figure out. And luckily I did. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, it's a great thing to be able to kind of come back and look at to these and say to these kids now, but I think, you know, when you're 13 and you're tough, lighting the league up like that, you know, the world is your oyster. Like, no, it's there's so nobody true. to stop you. So they sort yeah. of don't realize that, like, yeah, even though we're coming and saying, hey, give it a few years, people are going to catch up. They're sort of sitting there thinking, oh, there's no way anyone's catching up to me, right? Exactly. And yeah. it's tough. Like, hey, like I said, I, I'm sure my dad was pulling his hair out trying to tell me stuff, but you just don't listen. It's, it's crazy. But luckily, eventually it clicked, and here, you know, here I am. So it's all, it's all good. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's something that, you know, us as coaches all now is something to, you know, the more you reinforce, hopefully yes. you reach them. And well, like you said, if you don't, then well, when they hit that level, there's sort of that year or two year window that yeah. you, figure it out job. Now, you can make it happen, but there's not too long. Exactly. You'll have a, a short leash for a while, but it eventually will, will tighten up. So you might as well, yeah, put the work in. Yeah. And so now coming from your playing career into your coaching career, one thing I'm always curious for people in your situation is what kind of stuff were you able to take from being a player into being a coach and how has that sort of translated to success with your players now? Yeah, I I think I learned, um, again, with with my hip injury, I had to kind of adapt my game 
I couldn't, I wasn't as mobile as I used to be. So I started to really, really hone in on the positional side of things. Um, so I was putting myself in the right position. So I had to skate less and I could get out of trouble a lot quicker. Um, so away from the puck and positional were huge my last couple of years of playing. Um, so as a coach now, that's all coaching essentially is positional away from the puck. Um, that's something that I'm very big on with my defenseman. You know, you know, are you thinking when this play is going on in the corner and you're in front of the net, or are you simply just hanging out? Cause it's time to, you know, you're not involved, but you can be thinking that whole time. And even one step further, like when you're on the bench, some guys like to, you know, turn their brains off and wait for the next shift. No, this is an opportunity now to watch the game and learn from the game, learn your opponents, learn your teammates, see different, different parts of the game. So for me, that was huge. You know, I, every, every minute that went by on the ice, whether it was on the ice or not, I was trying to learn from. And that's something I just try to, again, echo to my, uh, our, our players on, you know, and so. Man, I, I love that just because again, you know, like you said, once you get to this kind of level, everybody's good. You know, yeah. there's no player that makes it makes the OHL without being a quality hockey player. Exactly. So now it's about those little extra things, whether it's, you know, the extra work in the gym, the extra ice sessions that you're doing in the off season or simple things like that. When you hit yeah. the bench, are you watching what the other guys are doing and learning from it? Or are you turning your brain off until you hear your name called to go back out? Exactly. And yeah. you see, like I said, you see guys even turn their brains off in, on the ice, which is crazy to me, but I see it all the time. And it's like, what are you thinking right now? And they don't have an answer for it. They weren't thinking. So it's like, you should be evaluating, okay, where's my, where's the next threat? If I get this puck, if it pops to me, where am I going with it? Like, those things should already be, again, preparation I talk about. You can be prepared on the ice. And that puck pops, you already know right away it's going to my winger and I'm, my job's done. Instead of getting that puck, lifting your head, making sure it's on your stick, stick handling it, looking around, then finding them. Like that split second, you don't have anymore. So that's just – preparation right that's all that's all I preach so yeah and is that something you guys will work a lot more on you know during like video sessions or like during yeah those are out of those kinds of talks go yeah that was, that's where I say for video session more or less I mean obviously practice is practice you know I still want to see them doing the exact same things in practice but um you can really hone in on the positives and negatives on on the video session for sure and you can see again you can see if guys are thinking if they're just hanging out and it's it's very apparent uh yeah who who has the brain turn on who who doesn't yeah so one thing as well that I always like to talk about is you know as players move up the levels like we've discussed you can kind of be the star your whole life and then hit that level where maybe you're facing a little bit more difficulty you're not getting the same kind of opportunity or anything like that and um then you know but there's always still opportunities to improve when you're that third or fourth line guy that's not on the ice as much have you dealt with much of like players coming into the ohl feeling kind of like they're the man and then having to deal with that adversity and how do you sort of deal with that as a coach of helping walk them through that process of understanding that you're going to get there but you're not going to be there your first year when you come in yeah that's a tough one definitely kids for sure think that I mean, hey, we all think positives, right? We all want to be that player. Like, I remember going into every year thinking this is what I'm going to be this year, and not every year I hit that those goals, right? So, uh, you know, each player is different, so you got to learn the personalities um, before you can really start dissecting how to how to approach each each individual. Um, because, you know, you got to know if you can poke the kid, can he handle it, can he not handle it, how does he handle when you do come down him, how does he handle if you – you know, if you leave them alone, you kind of just get to know each player and, and each player is, 
is unique in their own way and how you how you approach it. And that's the that's where I think the games change the most. There's lots of um, one the kids ask why a lot more now. Um, so you gotta you gotta make sure you prepare. Again, myself now I gotta be prepared with an answer. If they're if I'm gonna teach them something, I gotta be you know be able to back it up. Um, so the biggest thing here, I just you gotta get to know the individual. It's it's really hard to have one concrete um, answer, but I definitely try to put them in my or put myself in their shoes and kind of explain my experiences if there is any um, that can relate. But they will get there. It's you know you you know Rome isn't built in a day kind of thing, right? So you got to chip away every day. You know what are, what are the two or three things we can work on this week to get to next week? You know, and then even today, every, you know, each day is a reset. Um, there's one quote actually I, I like to use. I'm trying to remember it off my top of my head. It's success is never owned; it is only rented, and the rent is due every single day. And that was one of my favorite quotes. Just put the work in. You know, how are we going to get better today? If you don't come to the rank with that mindset, someone else is going to do it and they're going to take your job. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a perfect way to look at it because, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but like we said, there's everybody's good once you hit this level. Yeah, so exactly. that mindset of what can you do to improve a little bit more the next day and a little bit more the next day, that's what's going to separate you. If you guys are at the same skill level and you're there exactly. trying to get better every day and this guy's kind of just there coasting, thinking that he's doing enough, yeah. you're going to prevail every time. It's not enough, exactly. Yeah. So from your team as a whole, can you talk a little bit just about your coaching style, sort of like standards you set? Because obviously you're coaching at a quite a high level. So, you know, what kind of things do you expect from your team as a whole and then maybe from individuals to be living up to every day? Yeah, I think, I think I've touched on a few. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely work ethic, again, is number one. Um, I want to see guys committed to the process. So that's committed off the ice, um, you know, how they carry themselves. Character stuff is big and on sound. Um, we pride ourselves on on breeding, you know, young, you know, respectful, polite individuals, um, as well as good hockey players. So there's just so many, so many, so many different views you can come in this with, um, you know, work ethic in practice. Um, but at the same time, I kind of losing myself here at where I was going with this, but it, uh, it's something that I like to really approach with, um, with the video sessions and whatnot. So it's, it's a tough question because there's so many aspects I can take this. So it, it, it's really a, a tough one to answer, to be honest with you. But I, I, I do personally like the, the video, um, you know, my defenseman I have in, um, we have it after every weekend we go through the video session we go through the positives. I'm, I'm, you know, definitely constructive criticism, but you got to reinforce what they're doing, what they're doing right as well. Um, you know, I run the a penalty kill now this year. In the past, I ran the power play, so a lot of, um, you know, a lot of tweaking here and there. Um, but I, I'm a positive guy. Like I, I don't like to, you know, no one likes to get ripped on. Obviously, there's a time where, yeah, if you're really, you know, doing your own thing, then yeah, the hammer's got to come down. But for the most part, you know, I like to be a very approachable coach. And that's something that, uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I feel like it's been pretty successful so far. Yeah. I mean, I think really that's the way to do it, right? It's like you want athletes to be able to talk to you because if they aren't bringing what you want them to be bringing to the table, you don't want them to feel like they can't, you know, come say, what do you need to see from me or come actually, you know, talk to you and ask you questions. You want them to be able to be direct and be open. With yeah. It. And know where they stand. There's nothing worse than mind games. Like as a player, you know, that's the worst thing a coach could do to you. So now on the flip side, I got to make sure everything I hate it, I'm trying to avoid or, 
you know, again, you get sometimes players don't like to yell at, but sometimes it's needed, right? So it's and not not embarrassing yell that just a stern like let's let's get going kind of situation. But um, yeah, for me, it's it's more just about they, they. I like my players to know where they stand. Yeah, and so on that note, actually, if you if you're in a situation where you know maybe a player is a little bit unclear on where they stand, like they whether it's, you know, being benched and feeling like they should be on the ice or whatever kind of situations mm-hmm. come up and they're sort of lacking that clarity. Um, what would your advice be for a player in that situation? How to approach that with their coach? Yeah, that's um, one, you know, I've had in those meetings as a coach, I've had those meetings as a player. Um, to me, if you just show respect, hey coach, you have a minute, talk to them. Um, that's all you can do as a player. You can't control what the coach says to you, does, is he, he's mad that you came and talked to him, he's not. At the end of the day, this is your career. This is your livelihood. Or this is what you're doing at this moment that you care about. You're, you're your own advocate. You got to make sure you're feeling comfortable. So I'm always a go to the coach. Don't, don't let something that's festering, don't let it fester. You know, like let's, let's, let's solve it right now. So I'm a big guy that communication is everything. That's why I said I like to tell my friends to know where they stand. I like to communicate. They feel open now. They can talk to me. So anytime that happens, defenseman or whoever wants to talk about it it's now an open door and they feel comfortable talking about it so now that's out of their mind they can sleep at night and everything's good that's kind of my philosophy on it yeah I mean I think that's a great way to approach it from the coach perspective but also from the player perspective right because there's nothing worse than it like it will affect the team culture if there's a kid coming in every day that's you know letting something bug him and he's sitting in the corner and he's bitching to you know the guy who's at the locker beside him and then all of a sudden that starts to spread through 100 percent. it's like if you can deal with that you can deal with that right away why wouldn't you want to yeah it's you don't want that in your room and they mean a little cliche cancer they call it well i mean that starts with one and then two and then it does like i've seen it you know, it's, it's not something you want in your locker room. So yeah, I like to solve those issues if there is any that arise. So I make sure that everyone feels like it's an open door, uh, open door policy. Yeah. And um, you know, as far as those conversations go too, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I feel like nine times out of 10 or probably even more, if you have a player who again approaches it respectfully, and I think that's the massive key. Yes. I don't see any coach being upset with, you know, a simple question. Hey coach, I'm not where I want to be quite yet. What do you need to see out of me to get me there? Yeah. There's a big difference between that and you need to play me more. I'm the, I'm, I'm better than, like you got to come at it respectfully for sure. That's you do that. That'll at least give you the answer that I think you deserve. Um, whether the coach gives you that, that's, that's his personality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but yeah, that's definitely a big key. Cause I know I've heard, I've heard of players, you know, trying to have those discussions. And then when I ask them, you know, like, well, what did you say? He was like, well, I told him that, you know, I want to be on the ice more. Yeah. I'm like, okay. well, it's all in the wording there. Like if you just yeah, come you gotta... say, I want to be on the ice. Cool. Everyone wants to be on the ice. What's yeah. your next argument? <laughs> exactly. What do I need to do? for you to trust me to get me on the ice in this situation, in this situation or more like, I mean, it's all in the word. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. It's like, yeah, it's all absolutely. about how you approach the situation too. Yeah. And um, from, you know, the perspective of the coach now in the OHL, 
do you have sort of a standard expectation? Like when players come back to camp, obviously we know, you know, we want them to be in shape. We want them to be ready to play. Is there sort of any standard or anything you're really looking for from a player through their off season? Like how much control or how much discussion do you have with the guys about that kind of stuff? Yeah, we have uh, our athletic therapist um, kind of oversees um, most of that throughout the summer, but we do get um, baselines. So in the end of the year, when um, we come back for, um, our little mini camp after the draft picks um, get selected this year, obviously with, with the whole um, COVID issue that we didn't have that, unfortunately, but we get more of a baseline and then come to camp. All we want to see, it's not even about you doing 20 chin-ups. If you do one, I want to see improvement. I want to see that now you can do five. If you did 10, I want to see you can do 12. Now, I want to see improvement on all your numbers to show that you worked at it. Um, you know, if a guy does 20, and then he comes back and only does 17 while a guy does three and now does 10, even though he did less to me, he, he put in the work and another guy didn't. Yeah. So that's just, it's just for honestly, as a, on the coaching side of things, it's just a, a gauge to kind of see, you know, what he did, or if it is neck and neck, you can use that gauge to say, well, this one didn't work out. This one did. I'm going to take that player. Right. So it's, it's very important, but it's, um, it's a, just an, another tool for coaches to use, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, as far as the game goes, the biggest thing is going to be what you're seeing on the ice, but it is a big key to understand that, you know, if the guy's been home putting work in during the offseason, it's like that is going to kind of bump them up the bump them up the ladder a little bit, right? It's going to translate, yeah. And that stuff's contagious. It really is. Like, you know, we always talk about, like, shot blocking on the ice and, and you know, cheering your teammates. On. Like, those, those things are contagious. You have guys that go back and work out and are committed to working out and – you know, maybe the lazy guy sees everyone working out and he's like, well, I should probably get in there. Like it, it's stuff, it really is contagious. So the more you can get those type of players that push and push and push and do all those little things right, I just think that the better your team's going to be. That's why we pride ourselves on character. You want those good people that are willing to, to be, you know, the work ethic and everything that comes with, with good character. Yeah, and I mean, I think you just sort of touched on uh, the next question that I had for you, but I want to see if uh, see if we can expand on it a little bit. If you've got players right now that you know are maybe in and out of the lineup a little bit, or sort of playing those, you know, just a few minutes a game, um, I feel like what we were just talking about about that contagious attitude and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But what would your expectation be from them if they're saying, you know, they want to find a way that they can contribute to the team more? Yeah, and that was actually a situation I found myself in my first year or two in American League. You know, I was in another lineup trying to find ways to get in. Um, yeah, does it suck? Yeah, it does suck, no question. Like, I'm not going to say, this is awesome. Like, it's a, it's a tough situation to be in because you're sitting out. The only way you like to get in is if they lose. So it's really it's a tough, like, you don't want to cheer for your teammates to lose, but you want to get on the ice. So it, it is a mental, mental grind. Um, but the biggest thing is to be a good teammate. If you're pissed off, this is what I find the biggest mistake for young people. Everyone knows you're pissed off because you're not in the lineup. Nobody's sitting here thinking, you know, Johnny is, is looking at me, he's laughing, he's happy, he's not in the lineup. No, everybody knows, but the players that handle it the best are the players that show it doesn't affect them. But some, I mean, maybe it's the immature. Some young players I've noticed are young students or young athletes. They, they feel like they need to show they start pouting, they're quiet, they're completely not themselves. And as a coach now on the flip side, we don't have time for that. Like, get that out of here. So that actually hurts them more. So to me, 
I think it's your attitude. The biggest thing is cheer your teammates on, you know, be, be a, be a good person and eventually it'll come around and you'll get your opportunity. And that's when you take it and you run with it. But if you're sulking, I'm not looking to give you that opportunity any faster than, you know what I mean? So it's one of those where it starts with character again in those situations, because it really is a mental grind when you're in another lineup there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a key for everyone to understand, right? It's like, nobody expects you to be happy when you're sitting out. Everybody knows that that's yeah. not where any player wants to be. No player is saying, yeah, I want to make it into the American league, but I yeah. want to be a healthy scratch. Like everybody yeah. wants to be on the ice. So it's like, but then from whatever position you're in, whatever league you're in, whatever spot in the lineup you're in, if you bring your best foot forward every day, that's how you're going to move up the lineup. It's not about, you know, exactly. you're not up there right now. You don't sit back and say, you know, well, woe is me. I'm not where I want to be. You bring your best foot forward and that's what exactly. moves you up. That's what's going to get you back. I mean, you want to push those guys too. So in practice, don't be just the regular like work at it. Like I would, I would, I would take practices as games when I, when I was sitting at the lineup because, Hey, I was making money trying to support my family. I want to make more of it. The only way for me to do that is to get in the lineup. So yeah, guess what? You want to take it easy because you just played well, too bad. Like, let's go. I gotta, I gotta get in the lineup. So I really push the pace and practice, you know, anytime it's really your only opportunity to show the coaches you deserve to be in the lineup. So, and actually one thing I'm I just kind of thought of it as we were talking here and as a coach, anyways, Bill, Bill, I think it was Bill Belichick. I remember listening to an interview a, a few years ago and he's obviously one of the best if you follow football at all. Um, but he said as a coach, they, and they have 50 players, but regardless, it still can work for any sport or any team sport. If he can get his top five players to buy into what he's believing and his bottom five players to buy in, everyone in between will follow suit. And that's a, and it really made a lot of sense to me because those bottom couple players, whatever, whatever that number is, like, they can do a lot of damage by what we just spoke on and being that, you know, that whispering and, negative energy that no one wants to hear and it'll affect guys in the lineup so if you can get all those guys to buy in like your top guys are going to be your you know your leaders anyway that push the pace um the bottom guys are the ones that are trying to drag everyone down because they're miserable miserable themselves but if you get both of both of them believing everyone in between will follow suit and i've always i've always kept that in the back of my head when i'm um you know talking to the team and and making sure everyone's taken care of or making sure guy how you know how you doing you know you don't want to forget about a player because it's, it is easy to you know, he's not in the lineup. You, you're, you're dealing with so many other things. You know, sometimes it's nice to reach out to the guy that hasn't played in three games and say, how you doing? You know, that's something that they are still people and you forget sometimes you get in that mindset. So as a young coach, I always try to skate over to him and, and just see how he's doing at home and see how he's holding up. And I think that goes a long way because I know it went a long way for me when I played and a coach still recognized me and still talked to me, even though I wasn't in the lineup because there were coaches that, you don't even talk to for months and when you're in that situation and that's, and that's, and that's hard. Yeah, of course. And, you know, obviously it seems like you've got a pretty good handle on, you know, how to handle that being coming from the experience you did of mm -hmm. maybe being one of those guys that was in and out a little bit, yeah. but uh, you know, for coaches as a whole, like, is, do you have any sort of thought, any, you know, anything that they can be doing just to make sure that those guys that are on the bottom side, cause I think the top side is probably easier to get to mm -hmm. buy in. Right. But anything they can be doing to really try and reinforce that with those bottom guys to make sure that, you know, they're on the right path and they are bought in and they're not sort of becoming those whispers in the locker room. Yeah. And that's, that's where I think he's talking to them and feel them out. Like um, definitely having that conversation where they feel comfortable, but explaining the road that they, they need to take. So, okay. 
don't just talk to them. I, I like to, you know, after practice, this is an opportunity now, most of the starters and most of the guys that are, you know, there's usually some free time we have in the last 20 minutes or so, you know, let's talk some stuff out here. We just had a great, great conversation. Your family's doing great. Now let's, let's talk hockey now. Okay. What do you need to improve on? Or maybe he's asking me that. What do you, what I think then let's, let's do a drill that can benefit you. And, you know, you, you know, we're missing this in the lineup. So if you can bring this, I think more consistently, this will give you an, so it's just talking it out with the player and just kind of understanding, you know, I find when a player knows his role, he can succeed a lot more than a player who's guessing or for me anyways, again, I, I, I like these myself a lot because, you know, I went through a lot of, I was a top yeah. player on teams and I was a bottom player on the teams and I was a middle of pack. So I've kind of done the whole, so it's just, you know, I lost track again when I was going with that. Um, obviously. Um, just sort of saying like you like to use yourself as an example, talking to those guys who are out of the lineup because you've kind of been through every piece of the puzzle yeah. as a player in that respect. Just finding out. Yeah. Okay. I've obviously been hitting the head a little too many times. It sounds like, but no, it's um, just finding out like what I am to the team. So am I a defensive defenseman? Does this team need that? It, you know, can I contribute that? A lot of guys that, you know, if I have a defensive defenseman that thinks he's an offensive defenseman, it's not going to work. So yeah. finding out where you can only contribute to your own game, but contribute to the team success. And if there is a hole in the lineup, sometimes you have to morph yourself into that player just to get the opportunity. And then you can branch off that into your own game, but it's just about finding needs to be honest with you. And that's something that, you know, a guy that's out of the lineup, well, if you're going to get in the lineup, this is the role you're going to play. If you're not willing to do that, well then yeah, you, it'll be a lot harder to get in the lineup than just trying to make a top six spot, which is a skilled forward that, it's going to be tough, right? So it's just finding out how to, how to find those avenues into the, into the lineup. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been something I've, uh, I've been hearing a lot from these interviews that I've been doing is, you know, the ability to adapt your game. And so something like, you know, a kid who's been a top goal scorer his whole life comes onto a junior hockey team for the first time and well, all your top six spots are full. So you're not going to be stepping into one of those roles. So now you've got to learn exactly, to yeah build yourself into that, you know, third, fourth line grinder that's going to be a physical presence on the ice and all of this. But what I've been thinking a lot more about with that respect is all you're doing in that situation, you're not putting yourself back. You're showing the NHL teams at the next Absolutely. level, hey, I can do anything. Versatile, exactly. Or, or the checker, you can – whatever you need me to do, I'm there and I'm able exactly. to do Yeah, I mean, you look at like – I always like to reference like Team Canada, for example – hockey team can are they building an all-star team or are they building a hockey team like they have players that like for example at one year chris draper no business making that team you know i think he was an 02 or way back when but in the role he was the best at it he was the best pk in the league at the time and a great fourth line you know grinder and that was you know you look at many of the guys that got left off that list and you're like how does crips but well, they're not building an all-star team they're building you know rick nash scores 50 goals and then he's put to a fourth line role. He adapts and he plays that checking role because that's what was needed of him. And it just shows versatility. So obviously that's at a greater scale, but at the end of the day, you've got to be able to adapt. The coach asks you to go off glass and out every, every, every time you're on the ice. Well, if you don't go off the glass and out every time, the coach isn't going to play it. So you got to adapt to coaches as well. So as much as I might disagree with the coach, if he's telling me to do something and I'm not doing it, that's just hurting me. So that's another thing that, players got to get better at because if a coach says one thing and you're thinking another at the end of the day coach is always right I've learned that as a player and I've definitely learned that as a coach I'm always right 
Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a huge thing too, that it's like, you know, if you are in the situation where you're disagreeing and you're feeling like, you know, the coach's strategy isn't the best strategy. Well, again, you can't control that, but you can control how you react. You either yeah, and okay. and bitch about it or you go talk to him and you say, Hey, I was gonna say, what, are we, what are we doing here? I'll tell you why I feel that way. Cause I guarantee you the player will ask and we'll talk it out. So at least he understands the reasoning. That's all it is. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's something that, you know, I know I notice a lot and I, I'd be curious to know if you notice that as well. It's just, it doesn't seem like it's a, like not willing to do that, but I hear so many athletes talk about, you know, they don't have no idea why the coach would do this or why the coach would do that. And I'll just simply ask them, I'm like, Oh, okay. Have you talked to him about it? And well, no, yeah, no, no and then they, they don't go talk to him about it. And I'm going, well, look, if you're disagreeing with their tactic, They've got that tactic for a reason. Coaches want to win. There's no coach out there that's going into a game saying, hey, how can we screw it up today? Like, exactly. exactly. So, you know, they want to win. So if you want to know why they think that's the best route to win, ask. <laughs> exactly. Plain and simple. And that's where I think today's, today's game has really turned around and, and come that, that way. Because like I said, in my day, I mean, players, I guess, they should be more comfortable. But, yeah, I would always – you know, don't don't ask. But I mean, as as my years got got later in my career, you realize how important it really is to communicate and ask and and find those answers out. Because yeah, if, if there's no point in guessing. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I like that because I mean, I think that's you know, again, the more deliberate you can be, right? And uh, I had an interview very recently just talking about being an active participant in your own success. If you're being put into a role that you don't really understand, well, then you've got to understand why you're being put into it. that role and that's going to help you buy in like when we talk about and all those players one of the biggest ways is going to be everybody being on the same page and being there for the same goal right exactly no i agree 100 percent. i love that man well uh just to sort of wrap us up a little bit i want to talk to you just about your own career both as a coach and as a player if you were able to okay. take one thing from your experience and I know every player obviously is different and is going to go on a different path but from your experience both playing and coaching if you could take one thing to prepare an athlete for a professional sports career what would that piece of advice be and how would they be able to apply it wow okay um, pretty broad I know but uh no it's it's I, you know I keep coming back to work ethic but I'm trying to think of just something else I can give you, but I think it starts with work ethic, right? So absolutely. And that's for, I think just commitment, like commitment to your craft, like, okay, work ethic is one thing of 20 you'll need to accomplish this. Well then commitment is number one. You need to be committed in all aspects. You need to be, you know, that, that goes on the same thing we talked about with preparation. Um, you want, you gotta be prepared going into, you know, you have to have a plan. Is this what, is this what I want to accomplish? How am I going to get there? I don't just show up and wing it every day. You have a plan, you know, yourself included would, would know this very well. You have a, a workout. I want to get to 200 pounds and be 10% body fat. Well, how am I going to get there? You're not just going to eat cheeseburgers and expect it to happen. You have to have a plan. So that to me, get the plan in place, preparation, commitment to the plan. Don't deviate, you know, be consistent and work at it because there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days, but the, the people that succeed are committed. They stay the course and they get the job done at the end of the day. And that's, you know, those three things to me, are, you know, saying it out loud, it, it kind of reminds myself that that's kind of what I live by in, in some ways in, in my career to this point anyways. So I'm i uh, I'm a big believer in that stuff right there. 
Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's, you know, as simple as it might sound, that yeah, is simple, a foundational exactly. thing, right? You know, it's, it is such a foundational thing. It's like people are always kind of looking for the magic, the secret, you know, in the fitness industry, we always see these things come yeah. out and lose 30 pounds in 30 days. It's like, okay, yeah. cool. That might work. If you stop eating and all you do is exercise, exactly. you might drop 30 pounds. You're not going to do it right. And the second you actually start eating like a human again, you're going to gain 65 yeah, your pounds. Your body's going to grab onto that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't, if you don't have one of those three things in my mind, it's going to be tough to be successful. So that's, that's kind of where I was branching off on that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so one actually just kind of follow up on that. And this might, I'm, it just sort of came to me as you were talking yeah. is there are a lot of kids out there too, that, you know, they feel like they've got that stuff nailed down. They feel like, you know, they're training hard, they're practicing a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and if they're looking now at, you know, what else can I do? Where can mm -hmm. you sort of audit your life to say, yeah, I already work hard. I already am committed, but you know, what are sort of those next steps that it's like you can separate yourself that much more or push that little bit harder. Do you have any sort of anything that they can kind of keep pushing for? Well, yeah, like uh, I mean, again, this, this is, could be, I don't know what sport you're playing. So it could, you know, change for everybody, but you don't know what you don't know. So find answers. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to, you know, I did stuff that was like completely unhockey related, but it benefited my hockey because I was willing to push my body and challenge myself. Like I, you know, did hop keto one summer just to work on different body movements, core and like no hockey player. I mean, I'm sure there is, but like, you just gotta, you gotta do you and that's challenge your body to do different things. And, and that might be your body. It might be mentally, you know, you know, schooling, it could be lots of different things, but don't be complacent. You know, I do coaches clinics all the time. Now I'm trying to, you know, talk to different coaches, you know, grab something from anybody advice like you're doing right now. We're talking and, we're, and I'm learning from you. You're learning from me, hopefully. So it's absolutely, you know, don't be afraid to, to speak up and kind of find those answers. And that's like you said, you could have everything in place and you, you'd still be missing 50 things. There's always something you could be doing to get better at whatever you choose. And there's so many different avenues. Like I said, whether it's school, hockey, it's another sport, there's a million different things you could do. There's ne you're never finished, essentially. Yeah, well, I remember somebody put it so simply to me uh, just a couple of weeks ago in a conversation. They said, you know, there are kids at 16, 17 who feel like they've got all the answers put in place. It's like, but then you look at, guys like Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid who are literally at the top of the hockey world and they're still pushing and they're still they trying to stop. find what they can do next. It's like, if they've got something to work on, yeah. you've got something to work on. Exactly. That's exactly right. Plain yeah. and simple. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do with this show too, right? It's just give that many more resources of, you know, good mm. people who have been through it and lived it like you have that uh, can yeah. share their own experiences and their own, you know, their own thoughts on these things that can hopefully get out to more and more athletes out there yeah. that, uh, you know, they can learn lessons that we maybe learned a little bit late. So, yeah, I wish I knew all, all I knew now, even as a coach, right? So you look back and it's like, I wish I knew that, but it is what it is. That's why I grab as much knowledge as you can as, you, as you're doing this stuff. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate the time so much today. Like there was yeah, thanks, a lot of really good stuff here and uh, I'm confident we just helped a lot of people. So thank you so much Perfect. for coming on. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, guys. And uh, just before we finish the recording, though, if anybody's looking to get in touch with you, just, you know, about anything they heard today or just any other reason, uh, if you're okay with that, what would be the best way for them to yeah. get in touch? You could shoot me an email, um, jhill at attackhockey.com. 
So obviously you have one word at attack, um, hockey.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for coming on and uh, I appreciate the time. Appreciate it, Kane. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I would greatly appreciate if you subscribed and left a review for the show. As well, I would love to hear what your biggest takeaways were from the episode. My contact info is linked below. Send me a message and let me know what you thought. As always, I'm your host, Kenny Dusso. Thank you again and see you next time.